Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks again for your holy presence with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father, and I thank you for your word. This morning, we're going to look at your word and talk about the word on the word. So, Father, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our spirits to you and to what you would have to say to us, Father, and reach into our spirit. Take away any distraction that it might be that we can see clearly and hear clearly what you would say to us and what you would have us see. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in a series called Deeper. And Deeper is all about, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, getting deeper, a deeper walk with God, getting closer to God. And uh, I sincerely believe that most people want a deeper walk with God. And that's what this is about. Last week, we talked about God, the names of God. I saw Becky's shirt. Becky came in with a great shirt today with a whole bunch of the names of God. And I challenged you uh, last week to, to, to go and think about what your name for God would be. If you were writing the scriptures and it was your experience of God, what's your name for God? And we looked at some of the over 900 different descriptors that there are for the Lord in the Bible. Uh, you know, it's been interesting to, to just hear from people, provider, healer, shelter, comforter, challenger. For me, it was way maker. And my challenge for you last week was to pray through the week, praying your name for God, your experience, just to take it a little bit deeper in your walk with God. So today, though, we're going to look at this next component of going deeper, and I'm going to talk about the word of God. Now, you might think, I don't know if you pay any attention, you might think, didn't we talk about the word just a few weeks ago, Pastor Mike? Yes, we did, but you've all forgotten already, haven't you? So I'm safe. I could preach you the same sermon. I could get away with that. But the, the, the word, I mean, the person you've been praying to this week is the author of the word. And, you know, when you start getting your head around How powerful that is. He spoke everything into existence. His word and his power are tied together. Psalm 119, 114 says, you are my refuge and my shield. So there's God's power, my refuge, my fortress, my shield. Your word is my source of hope. It's in your word that I get hope. His word is powerful. It has the power to transform lives. It has power to change the future. I mean, wow. It's so, so powerful. You know, you, you look into space, right? Astronomers have been looking into space ever since creation, trying to make sense of it. And, And the more complex we get, the the better equipment we have to look into space, the deeper we can look into space, the more it's a mystery. And when you come back and you think about, you know, we're we're scientists are all the time, they're they're trying to figure out where did it come from? How did it get there? And oftentimes their theories contradict each other and they're just trying to make sense of it. And then we read in God's word that he spoke it into existence. Psalm 33, 6 and 9 says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. 
the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. It's beyond understanding to, to try and even begin to get our heads around the fact that, you know, the, the first name that we looked at last week was Yahweh. I am. He is existence. And before anything else in existence existed, God existed. And with a word, boom, everything that we see, that we try to understand, came at his word. Do you think that there's power in his word? You know, the funny thing is, though, I so often see, I see a recurring problem. I see Christians who seem to be stuck in a loop in their lives sometimes. They, they don't ever seem to be able to move forward. You know, it's, it's like crisis upon crisis upon crisis. And, they're, and, they, and they don't ever seem to move forward. They're always dealing with something. They can't get out of it. And it, there's always something going on. And they're never getting stronger in their faith. And oftentimes people will come and we'll sit and talk. And I typically will ask them, how's your reading life? How's your Bible study? Well, you know, I kind of... I get to it when I can, Pastor Mike, but I, I, I like to read it, read it sometimes, but it's just, I need to do better. And I hear it all the time, I need to do better, I need to do better, I need to do better. And I just see this ongoing cycle of, I can't seem to move forward in my life. And I got to tell you something, folks, the reason that I talk about this all the time is that I know the deeper you get into this word, the better your life will be. The greater your ability to overcome issues and struggles. It's not, just like Kayla was saying, it's not that they go away, but your ability to deal with them is strengthened when the power of God's word is deep inside your life. That's what going deeper is all about. The people that I know who are most devoted to God's word tend to be the most joyful people I know. And it's not that they don't have stuff going on in their lives. They have stuff going on in their lives. But how they deal with that stuff is just different because they have the power of God's word in their lives. So I've got five steps for you this morning. Five steps to going deeper with God's word. And these are in your outline. Number one, you have to choose to trust the word. Choose to trust the word. Now that might sound funny, kind of weird. You choose to trust the word. Trust is a choice. You don't have to trust. Trust is a choice. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It, it might seem strange to say, choose. Because, you know, sometimes there's this idea, well, it's God's word, right? And if it's God's word, then we know it's true. And why do I have to choose to trust it? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one is because God's word is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you to make decisions and do things that are not comfortable for you sometimes. To step out of your comfort zone and, and live in the faith zone. 
That's a choice. You read it, you choose to trust it, or you choose not to trust it. The second thing, and I'm not going to get too, too deep into this, but I've been in conversation with some people lately, actually a couple of different groups of people, and, and, well, can we really trust that God's word is God's word? Hasn't it been changed over time? Is it really what God gave us, or, or have people messed it up? Well, yeah. Might not be what you want to hear from the pastor, but there's truth to that. I mean, it it amazes me that God entrusted his word into the hands of people. So to give you an example, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, we mostly know the story of the woman caught in adultery. And they bring her to Jesus, and they say, she's been caught in adultery, Jesus. What are you going to do about it? We all know this story, or, or most of us know this story, where Jesus looks at them, actually he kneels down and he's writing something on the ground, we don't know what he's written, and he looks at them and says, he doesn't say anything about the woman, he says to them, that the first one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And he's down and he's doing something in the sand, and then he looks up and there's nobody there, and he looks at the woman and he says, where are your accusers? Well, they're all gone. And he says, well, I'm going to let you go too. Go and sin no more. Now, the oldest manuscripts that we have don't have that passage of Scripture in it at all. It's not in there. So there are some Greek manuscripts that have that and some Greek manuscripts that don't have that. So we know that that was added at a later date. Hmm, okay. Does that mean that the Scriptures are not accurate? Not necessarily. I mean, it could simply be, I mean, John, this is in John. John wrote his gospel, and and maybe at some point along the way, somebody goes to John and says, hey, what about the the woman story? You you didn't tell him about the woman. Oh, man, yeah. Gets added in. The older manuscripts didn't have it. The later manuscripts do have it. Does it mean that it was changed? Maybe not. Maybe so. It got added in. Here's the thing. I choose to trust the word of God. I know that if God can talk to them, if he could talk to Balaam through a donkey, if he could talk to Moses through a burning bush, he could talk to me through his word. No matter what we've done to maybe get a word wrong or change this or do that, I trust that when I read God's word, that the power of his Holy Spirit is in that word and he can speak to me through that word even though he has entrusted it to fallible mankind. I choose to trust it. Second one. Where's the second one? (laughs) You've got to strive to read the word. So you've got to choose to trust the word. You've got to strive to read the word. Now I know this is kind of duh. Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Study continually. Meditate it on, it on it day and night. Make it a part of who you are to get into God's word. You know, whenever I talk about this, 
I always use this example. Jesus talked about he is the bread of life. And I think of his word as the bread of life. Well, if God's word was your source of sustenance, would you be anemic? Not anemic, what's the word? Skinny, there's another word. Anorexic, there we go. Would you be anorexic? If, if your study life was your physical eating habits, how healthy would you be? Would you be anorexic? Do you snack on it? Or do you feast on it? Now, this is all about getting good habits. So I put three of them up there. Number one, find a place. Really helps if you've got a place. Somewhere that you go to sit down and read the word. Find a time of day. It's about habits. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it a part of what I do. Here's where I do it. Here's when I do it. And then find a right version for you. There are all kinds of different versions or, yeah, versions of the Bible. So I think I put it in the notes, did I? I did. Good. And find one that suits you. So I've told you before, I read through the Bible. I start in Genesis, I read Revelation. I start in Genesis, I read the Revelation. I start in, and I just keep doing it. This time I'm reading it in a different version. I usually read the NIV and I thought, hey, I'm going to switch up. I'm reading the New Living Translation there, which has been kind of neat. It's a different version, but so I can't see that. <laughs> so there you go. Let me just explain this quickly to you. So these different versions, you've got this side, word for word. Is that right? No, that side, word for word. That means they tried to stay as accurate to the Greek or the Hebrew as we have. We have no original manuscripts. It's too long ago. But they tried to translate it word for word. Now, that works to a certain degree, except when you try to translate across a language exactly word for word, it doesn't always come out very well. Because there are different nuances, different meanings. But the New American Standard, the English Standard Version, King James, New King James, they tend to be word for word. In the middle, the NIV and the Holman Christian Standard Bible, thought for thought. Those are the ones I like. They, they try to stay as close to the original as possible, but bring it around to modern day thought. Here's how it is today. And then over on the right side, the NLT, which I'm doing now, and way over the message is paraphrased. And that's somebody's reading it. Uh, okay. What they're trying to get across here is this. And they're telling the story in their own words rather than right from the scripture. What I like to do, get a different couple of different versions. I'll read something in the NIV. Sometimes I'll check it out in the NLT and then I'll check it out in the ESV or the New King James, and I like to see, okay, what, what's, what's the difference here? And that way you get a good understanding of it. But find a version that works for you. You might like the New King James. Some people like that style. Some people like the Amplified version. That's a different, that one, it's kind of right across the board. It picks a little bit of all of it, but it's very, very wordy. But find a version. The most important thing is read it. Read it. Number three, you must seek to understand the word. Proverbs 2.2 says, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. It takes work to understand. 
I know I talk to people sometimes, I'll say, you know, Pastor Mike, I want to read the Word, and I kind of do read the Word, but I just have a hard time understanding it, so I let it go. It takes work to understand. It takes work to, to get into it and to seek understanding. Now, God wants you to understand His Word, but Satan doesn't. So there's a battle that goes on. He doesn't want you to get into his word. He doesn't want you to get into God's word. He doesn't want you to understand it. So it requires effort and you have to tune in. Some of you won't remember this because you're too young. But do you remember AM radio? <laughs> yeah, some do. So when I lived over in England back in the old days, we didn't have, the BBC was the main radio station. And they didn't, and where I live, Plymouth is in the middle of nowhere. There were no rock and roll stations. It was all classical music or news or talk. But there was a ship that was docked in the North Sea in between Europe and Britain. An American ship that used to broadcast Radio Caroline. And it was so faint a signal. I remember being in bed with my little transistor radio. And you, you're trying to get it. There's all these noises, and then you kind of get it, but it took a lot of effort to tune it in so that you could hear it. It's exactly the same with God's Word. Satan wants to crowd it out. He wants to noise it out with un misunderstanding or just busyness, whatever. You've got to learn to tune your ear, your spirit, to God's Word. It takes effort. It's like accents. You may not know this, but I have an accent. My wife has an accent. I remember when we very, very first came down to Texas. When we first moved to Canada, it wasn't so bad. But when we came to Texas, Texas is huge. And there's different accents in Texas. And I'm at work, and I remember I was on the phone to someone in East Texas one time, which is not that far away, right? Yeah. And I had no clue. And it gets embarrassing after a while when you keep saying... Pardon? <laughs> Could you say that again? That's all I could hear. <laughs> we, we were doing engineered lumber. Sometimes I'd hear the word wood in there. Oh, good. We're talking about wood. <laughs> but it was just so very, very difficult. But after just even three months, you start to tune into it. And, and now it's kind of weird because when I talk to my family at home, I hear their accent more than I often hear your accent because this is where I live. And, and you tune into it. It's exactly the same with God's word. It takes effort. If you struggle, keep at it. And, and I love this. Psalm 119.34, give me understanding. God, give me understanding. And I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Show me, God. Help me to tune into your word. And there's all kinds of, of resources out there. To, to, to understand his word. I bought these great big... So back in the day, just like the transistor radio... I mean, this is Webster's New 20th Century Dictionary of the Bible. The print is tiny, <laughs> and it's this big. <laughs> this is an exhaustive concordance. 
There are all kinds of, of great resources out there. Study Bibles. You have a hard time understanding your Bible? Get a study Bible. It's got notes to the side of each passage of Scripture. Get a commentary. Some theologians will, will write commentaries on what this passage of Scripture means. Get a concordance. That's where you can do a search for where this word comes up. A Bible dictionary or an interlinear. An interlinear is where you can have the Hebrew or the Greek. You've got the English and then underneath you've got the Hebrew and then an explanation of the Hebrew word. You can get all of this stuff online for free. You, you can learn to be an expert in the Bible if you really, want, really, really want to. There are great resources out there. Strong's is an interlinear. Um, Bible Hub, you put a verse into Bible Hub, they'll have all the different versions. They'll have a commentary, about 10 different commentaries on that verse. They'll have what's called the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. For instance, um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Treasury of Scripture Knowledge will show you where that word world comes up in the Scriptures. All of this stuff is available online if you want to do it. All right, moving on. You have to endeavor to apply the word. So no rocket science here yet, but I'm going to get you on the last one. Look at the Scriptures we already looked up. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Joshua 1, 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Psalm 119.34, give me understanding and I will obey your instruction. I will put them into practice with all my heart. And Jesus' own words in Luke 11.28, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And James is the one that we always go to, and I love it. Don't just listen to the word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. We are to trust it. We are to read it. We are to seek to understand it. And then we are to put it in action. We are to do something with it. If you obey this word, you will be more blessed. You will prosper and succeed in all you do. So we've got three parts. We've got inclination, which is trust and read. Revelation, which is read and understand. Application, which is to put it into practice. But here's the deeper part. Told you I was going to come for you. Number four, impartation. What does that mean? If you're serious about going deeper, you have to undertake to teach the word. You have to impart it. Now, I know some of you are sitting there probably thinking to yourself, teach it? Are you kidding me, Pastor Mike? I don't know enough about it to teach it. Colossians 3.16 says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. 
teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. So reading is one level. Understanding is the second level. Living it is level three, but teaching it takes it to a whole nother level. That's when it gets real for you. It's like digging a hole. I mean, somebody tells you to dig a hole and, I don't want to dig a hole. Yeah, you need to dig a hole. Eventually, you dig a hole. And then they tell you, now you need to teach somebody else how to dig a hole. Well, the ground's kind of hard. And it's difficult to dig a hole. You never, you know, you kind of got to start it with a pickaxe or something to kind of get it going. Now you're thinking about it differently. Oh, yeah, get yourself a pickaxe here. Kind of turn it up a little bit, then get the shovel and dig a little bit, and then get the pickaxe again and then shovel. And, and you start thinking about it at a whole different level than when you're just doing it. Now, Pastor Mike, I don't know enough to teach. I'm not confident enough to teach. Well, that might be true. But you know enough to teach at some level. Hebrews 5.12, just the baseball bat around the head. You've been believers so long. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. And in that passage of scripture, he says, why are you still drinking babies' food? Why aren't you mature enough to be eating proper Why aren't you teaching the word of God? Years ago, when Sandra and I first got into Christianity, we didn't know anything. We didn't have church background. Didn't go to Sunday school, maybe a little bit. And I did for a little period, my period. My parents got involved with the Jehovah's Witnesses for a while, so there was some church. But we really didn't have any part of it. And then God got a hold of our lives, and it's like, wow. We we became part of a church. And one of the things that God blessed us with very early on is that we both realized that you don't go to church. You are the church. And if you are the church, then you do the things that the church does. So you serve. And almost from the very, very beginning of our our walk, we knew we were supposed to be doing something. So we would seek to do things. I had never taught anything in my whole life. But one Sunday, the pastor came to us and said, you know, would, would you both teach the kids? We went and we taught the kids. Later on, I don't know, a couple of years later on, pastor comes to me and, and asks, would, would you help out with the junior high class? So started teaching the junior high. I was no expert. I didn't know anything. <laughs> but, you know, you get a book, a curriculum, and it tells you everything. It even says, say, blah, 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 blah. God says, everything was in there. But then kids would ask you questions, right? That's the thing that we all fear. What if they ask me something? And half the time I didn't know. But they would ask the same questions that I was wondering. But now I'd have to go away and do something. Like, okay, I better find that out. So next week I'd come back. Well, this is what I found out. I talked to some people and I read something. It's this, 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 and this. 
And I really enjoyed teaching the junior high. And at some point, the pastor came to me and he said, hey, we need someone at the high school level. Can you teach high school students? So, okay. It's a whole different level again. They got stuff, you know what high school students are. They ask questions, it's like, ah. But it was good, I th- just do it. And then eventually, would you lead a Bible study? Would you lead a small group? And, and God just kept moving along. And then one day the pastor came to me and said, next week you're preaching. <laughs> That's literally. <laughs> I was having a conversation with the pastor. And he came, you're preaching next week. <laughs> no, I think you've got the wrong person. <laughs> it's what we have been commanded to do. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Most of us know the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I can't remember where I was talking about this the other day. When he talked to these 12 disciples, actually it was 11 at this time, and he said, all nations, do you think he literally meant that those 11 would go to every nation on earth and teach them about Jesus? Do you think that's literally what it means? Can't be, right? It's impossible. So he was talking about a ministry that gets handed down and handed down. You teach these people so that they can teach those people so that they can teach those people. And we're here today, 2,000 years later, still teaching one another the very things that Jesus taught us to teach. It's our turn to teach. That wasn't a selective scripture for some. That was a scripture for all of the followers of Jesus Christ. Teach what I have taught you so that the next generation can teach what I taught you. And they can teach the next generation. This is our job. This is going deeper. This is what it is to take it to the next level. Read it in such a way to seek to understand it. Read it in such a way to understand and apply it. Read it in such a way to understand, apply, and teach it. Now, not everybody's a gifted teacher. That's not what this is about this morning. I've, I've been in some classrooms and it's like, please stop. <laughs> but we are all called to impart God's truth at some level. Could you teach a truth to a three-year-old? Jesus loves you. Pretty simple, right? (laughs) We could teach to a three-year-old, Jesus loves you. Jesus promised you that he's never going to leave you. He's always going to be with you. You could do that, right? We could all impart some truth to a three-year-old. And at some level, we're all called to do this. So this is my challenge, going deeper. 
Talk to your Sunday school teacher. They're thinking, oh, thank you, Pastor Mike. Talk to your small group leader. And it's baby steps. I'm challenging each and every person. Take a little bit of time. Maybe if you're in a Sunday school or, or a small group, can I do the icebreaker one week? Nothing more. Can I just do the icebreaker one week or, or a small devotion? I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to ask God to show me a passage of scripture or I'm going to talk to the Sunday school teacher or the, what are we doing next week? Can I help you in any way whatsoever? Yeah, we're going to be doing such and such. Maybe you could teach on this little point here and nothing more. The easiest way <laughs> is to start in the children's ministry. And you begin by, you go in a classroom and you don't do anything. Can I watch? Maybe assist, help the kids draw something. Maybe once a month. Then do that for a couple of weeks and, okay, maybe I could help out here. Could help tell the story. And you work your way into it. Now, here's what I hear sometimes. Well, I don't want to miss the service, Pastor Mike. I don't want you to miss the service either. I'd like you to be in here, hearing the service. Have you ever thought about that word service? Think about that for a second. I don't want to miss the service. What is service? It's serving. We're growing. I love the number of kids back there. And this is not an advert for children's ministry. Trust me. But now I'm going. (laughs) We're growing. And I'd love to see us get to the point sometimes where we have enough for two services. And that everybody comes is a part of the service. Where one half you serve and the second half you get served. We're a little bit away from that right now, but I'm planting seeds here. And in order for that to happen, we've got to have people who are willing to teach. And every one of us should be willing to teach at some level. That's going deeper. I want you to pray about that. Come and talk to me if you want. Talk to your Sunday school teachers. Talk to your small group. But what's your part in teaching the word of God, in going deeper in the word of God? Trust it, read it, understand it, do it, impart it. Amen? Amen. All right. I went a lot further than I planned to go on that one. (laughs) Father, I give you thanks again for each and every one that you've brought here today. Father, may we go in the power of your word and the blessing of your word and the hope of your word and in obedience to your word today. Father, pour out your blessings upon us so that we may pour out your blessings upon whoever you bring into our path this week. Father, help us to be graceful. Help us to be forgiving. Help us to be loving. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. And Father, I pray that you would put joy in our hearts and a smile on our face so that whoever we meet and whatever circumstance it might be in, 
they can see you on our faces. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you all.